This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Okay, we're going to jump in the Word this morning because I have a few things to, to cover to get this. Uh, a lot of you had some questions and, um, and, uh, and have gotten some help and some understanding from the series, Eternal Security. Really, if you get a hold of this, it'll change your life. It, it will be a message. And, and plus, you know some of my history that when I accepted the Lord, I thought every time I sinned, I need to come back to Him and get saved. I mean, I just uh, had this thing in me that I thought I'd messed up so bad this time. And then once I, I saw in the Word and God revealed to me that I had done the steps uh, necessary to, to be saved. I needed to believe it, just put my faith. That was a done deal. Uh, then, when I messed up, I, would, I knew I was still his child. It would just, it would take me a week, it depended on how big the sin was, a week or so to get back to where I was with him. And it was just a, a thing that was inside of me. That, and I guess when you look at it, that was kind of a works thing. I was uh, paying my penance and uh, the penalty, I was in the penalty box, <laughs> didn't have my hockey stick, I wasn't even on the ice, I was in the penalty box, not even in the game, just taking the time out because I had messed up and not understanding these things. And then as I started growing in grace and the word, uh, it started getting less. And now... I don't know if this is going to sound that good, you know, come think of it. But now I can sin, I can be just right back. It's just no problem. Uh, now, <laughs> I'm not saying just go out and sin. I'm just saying <laughs> that it's, it's a whole lot more relaxing and peaceful just to have that relationship with the Lord and, uh, and to walk in that, in that you, and to have that security. And some people will fight you. I was uh, talking with um, Ron Chandler before service, and he said there's a lot of people that want you to be eternally insecure. And they will fight you over that insecurity. But what father would not want his child to be secure in that relationship? And that's the way our father is. And really, our families are... A, a glimpse of our Father. Once you, how many can say that your life changed once you had kids? You know, things change. And you get a bigger perspective, really, of God being the Father. And it, it just, you know, helps us get some understanding. So we're going to continue with this, and I'm going to be um, answering some of those questions, uh, some of those verses that make you wonder. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, say no, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you secure. He wants you to know 
You have eternal life. If, if not, you walk with this and live in this sense of shame. I see many Christians that have that, that sense of a shame or uh, like a, a depression or a regret. It's just all this stuff because they don't have that firm foundation of being secure in the Lord and, and their relationship with Him. So what happens then, it hinders your, your productivity for the kingdom and what your, uh, your mission is uh, in the earth, your assignment. It hinders all that because you're always trying to achieve, you're trying to achieve right standing with God or righteousness or you're trying to keep what you have and so there's this pressure on you and have you ever met people that just aren't happy? It's like they can never do enough. And let me tell you, you can study three hours in the Bible and you will meet somebody that does four hours. <laughs> it's just no, there's no end to it. You know, what's, what's enough? <laughs> How about resting in the relationship you have a father? And I'm so glad he didn't put, you know, rules and regulations on us because that wouldn't be, it's not our relationship. You know, we're not in the law, we're in the grace of God. So we're going to continue and look some more at this where we can enjoy our relationship with God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we find this principle all throughout the Word of God, spirit, soul, and body. So this is, you see this in your notes, peace about your eternal security comes from understanding you are spirit, soul, and body. When you get this message, get this understanding, you can have peace and that security that God wants you to have and you can know you have that uh, that you have eternal life and you're secure in it. Hebrews 12 verse 23 says, To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Wow, what a statement this is. Spirits of righteous men made perfect. Another place calls God the father of, of spirits. You were birthed or fathered by God. His seed birthed you. You're born of God. And he is the father of spirits. God is a spirit. And he relates to us to our spirit. Spirit to spirit. So when we sing about everything that we have need, he's given us, it's inside your spirit because the Holy Spirit's there. Everything you need I mean, you're walking around with this scary dude on the inside of you. <laughs> I mean, that's not the right way to say it. But I mean, you've got the holy of holies on the inside of you. You've got this treasure and earthen vessel. I mean, God's inside of you. And he just wants to come out to bless the rest of you. It, so it's from the inside out. We work out our salvation. We're bringing it forth. And so he has made us righteous. It's not something we did. It's something he did. We've been made righteous. So we need to understand 
that your spirit that was saved the moment you accepted Jesus Christ. And because you believe that, you can have peace in your soul. Remember we talked about your soul, your mind, will, emotions. It's where your personality is. That because you have that past salvation, you have been saved. Say saved. Thank you for the duh. Saved, past tense. Then because of that peace, I can have peace in the process of the salvation of my soul. Because my soul's in process. And it used to be I thought I have arrived. Man, I got overcame this situation and I have arrived. And then the Holy Spirit would poke around as I'm spinning on the little clay. <laughs> I'm a little lump of clay being shaped and it pressed there and I go, wow, there's another place. And finally I realized he's going to be doing this from now on. He's always bringing you to a stronger place and help to grow us up. Aren't you glad? It's a wonderful thing that I can be secure even while I mess up, I have eternal life. My father, my daddy God is always with me, always for me. He said he would never leave me or forsake me. And I've done some things that I'm not proud of, and I know he's not either, but he didn't forsake me. He loved me. And that gives me peace. My soul has peace. And I can work through that renewing of the mind, renewing of my will. And, you know, we talk about repentance, but one of the main definitions of repentance, really, when you look it up, it means changing the mind. So every time that we come together and we get in the Word of God, there should be repentance going on because our, we're changing our mind about some things to have His mind, the mind of Christ. Everybody still with me? Okay. So then, instead of having pressure now, because I'm not secure in my salvation, I have peace, and I can have faith for the future. I have a, a future salvation of my body, and I'm going to have a body like Jesus when we uh, are raised up. I believe there, there is a rapture. We're raised up. We see him. We're going to have a body like him. We're going to walk through walls. We're going to be eating some good food. We're going to be, there'll be no fear, there'll be no hurt. You can climb those, those mountaintops and, yeah, you can just go ahead and dive in. It doesn't matter how high it is. You can't hurt yourself. There's no pain. There's no, what? It's a glorious place. How many wants to go? <laughs> so you can have peace and you can have faith instead of pressure and fear and always trying to, to question or it'll make you aggravate other people too. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? But see, when you're secure in Father's love, you see them through Father. You want to really walk in the love of God? Get hooked on God's love for you. 
It changes everything. Because see, what's more powerful than my love for him is his love for me. What's more powerful than my faithfulness to him is his faithfulness to me. And see, when you focus on his love and his faithfulness, it gets your eyes off of you. Because you're not always lovely and always faithful. Smile to your neighbor. So what about sin? Well, we deal with sin, but first, I believe you need to be secure in your salvation, in your eternal life, that you have it, your relationship with God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God's commanded Adam not to eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what does Adam do? You know the story. Adam and Eve ate. It says that Eve was deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. And there was disobedience and there was this fall. Now, how long did it take for Adam to die? What did God say? He said, in that day. But the Bible says, and Adam died 930 years old. Whoops. I guess God was having a bad day when he said that. <laughs> said, Adam, you're going to die in the day that you eat of that, of that tree. If you eat of that, you're going to die. 930 years later, he died. Did God, is God a liar? No. What happened? He died spiritually, and then it took his physical body 930 years to die. What happened? His spirit became darkened. The life of God left. It was darkened. There was a separation in that relationship with God the Father. When, when God would walk in the earth, the Lord would, would walk in the, in the garden, you don't find Adam and Eve hiding and trying to cover themselves. Until after sin, something changed. Everything changed. And God had to actually kill some animals to make a covering for them because they had shedding the blood had to start where he could have any communication. So that's what we've been dealing with because after Adam sinned and he died spiritually, then every child he had was spiritually dead because you produce after your own kind. But Jesus, when you're birthed of the Lord, of the Father, there's spiritual life. Your spirit comes alive again. And even actually when you stay out, what Adam had, had we have more in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, past tense. Behold, all things have become new. Where did they become new? In your spirit. Say, in my spirit. When did it happen? When you accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, your spirit became brand new. 
Your body's not new, your mind's not new, but your spirit is. This in your notes, salvation's not a goal to achieve, but a gift to receive. Isn't that wonderful? It's a gift. It's a gift to receive. We had nothing to do with it. He did it for us. Apostle John made some comments in the book of 1 John that can really just mess you up if you don't have the understanding of what we just talked about. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever's been born of God does not sin, for seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. It says, if you've been born of God, you do not sin, you cannot sin. Well, I don't know about you, that's been my experience. Since I got saved except the Lord, I haven't sinned since. I'm sinning now with that comment, forgive me. <laughs> Something is confusing about this. What could this, what's he talking about? What part of you is born of the Spirit? Your spirit. That's the part of you that's a new creation. That is the part of you that instantly was changed when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit came alive with the very life of God. And now you have intimacy with God. He even put his Holy Spirit within your spirit. So now God dwells on the inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you're in Christ. Everything that you could ever need is in him. Years ago, I'll never forget, I was looking in the mirror and I saw bare feet and a robe coming up behind me. I turned quickly, I was in the bathroom, I looked and no one was there. I went to a big mirror. We had another big mirror in the house, I went to it and I'm looking to the side. I'm just looking for legs and, and looking for that robe and don't see anything. So I'll go and I get my little B mirror just that you could see yourself. I'm not looking at me. I've just got turned like this trying to look down and see. And I see feet and I see the robe. And I turn and there's Jesus. I fell on the ground crying, sobbing. I mean, I can't even talk. Can't, it's just nothing but crying. You know, you, you want to say something, but there was no way to get anything out. And he, he came over, he lifted me up, and it was like everything's okay. And he stepped into me, and we became one in Christ. When God the Father looks at you, he sees Christ. The reason that you can come to the very throne room of grace in time of need and receive mercy because you've blown it is because you come on Jesus' righteousness, you're welcome there, and God says, come on in, you're welcome, son and daughter. Come on in, you're welcome. Because he sees you in the Spirit. And you're secure. See, I don't have to be afraid 
that father's going to get mad at me and kick me out of the family? Because <laughs> he's not that kind of father. He's doing everything to get people into his family. He's a God of love. Will he discipline? Yes. The word says, if he chastens you, you are a son. If he doesn't chasten you, you're not. But chasten in the New Testament is not the way it was in the Old Testament. Old Testament was the wrath of God. The New Testament, chastisement means to train up like a child, to bring discipline, correction, training, like you do your child. There's a big difference. <laughs> so we know that this is, this is talking about our spirit. But some people say it actually means habitual sin. And you have a lot of, you have some translations say this time about habitual sin. If you are walking in habitual sin, you haven't been born of God, you're not saved. Anybody ever heard that one? So what do you do with that? Well, I, I have my own thoughts on this, and I'm going to uh, share it with you. But I know some people that have gotten saved, and they still had some habitual sin. Now, I'm not talking about the little guys, the little sins. I'm talking about the big sins. They had it for quite a while. They, they walked through it. And I guess it had been pretty bad if they had died before they had gotten that sin completely out of their life because I guess they had gone to hell. No, because the Spirit's intact. Because the Spirit belongs to God. The Bible says, he that becomes one with God becomes one in the spirit. One, when you're joined with the Lord, you are one spirit. But then when you really know the truth that God's, to God, sin is sin. There's no little sins and big sins to God. There's not. He sees them all the same. Now the effect... To people, there's big and little because the way it affects our lives and affects those around us. But to God, they're all sin. So this in your notes, and this might be a little, uh, well, I'll just continue talking here. We all habitually sin. I'm sorry to tell you this. We all habitually sin. Now inside of you, if you're going, not me, pastor, good. You're the one I'm going to talk to. We all know the, the big ones, what's big to us, but how about to God, sin isn't only doing something wrong. Let's just go with that part. And John 4, 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. <laughs> Have you ever known to do good and didn't do it? Sin! Excuse me. <laughs> oh, Pastor, yes, but that was just one time I did that. It's not habitual. 
Romans 4.23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Oh, now that one hits hard. I don't know about you. I know there's stuff that I'm not doing in faith. It's just <laughs> I'm grinding through. Where's the faith? It's sin. If I could do the soprano, sin. What about we all fail to study the Bible as much as we should? And see, that will hit you no matter where you're at. You could be studying for an hour a day or 10 hours a day and it'll hit all those. Well, yeah, I should be doing 11 hours a day. <laughs> See the way the enemy works? What about we fail to pray as much as we should? Here's one that's really interesting, overeating. You know, we have pre-planned overeating events to sin. We annually say we're going to sin at Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays. We habitually overeat and plan for it. Well, that doesn't count. It does to God. I don't want to mess up your Christmas or your Thanksgiving or your birthday. What about habitually speeding, going over the speed limit? Don't elbow the person next to you. We probably all could elbow each other. Well, surely that doesn't count with God. It counts. He said not to break the law unless it's against the word of God. I was thinking about this driving here when I happened to look down and see I'm going well over the speed limit. Of course, I joked to myself and said, you habitual sinner. <laughs> and me and God had a little laugh, but I, I want you to see that there are things that you're doing that are not the perfection that God looks for. God is perfect. In the Message Bible, there's a scripture I was reading, and it said one little slip is all it takes. <laughs> Wrong thoughts, you know. I mean, worry, being stressed out, not seeking first the kingdom, not walking in love. Well, Pastor, that's a big one. Walking in love. I walk in love. Well, sometimes we don't recognize what that is. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified. And I just wrote down just a little bit. Love is patient and kind. Are you always patient and kind? Love is not boastful, not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly, not self-seeking, self-centered, not touchy. Don't touch your neighbor on that one. They might be touchy. Fretful, resentful. What about this? Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Are you in faith, anything and everything that comes? Are you 
preparing with peace and joy the kingdom of God? Are you get hit for a little bit and have to stagger back to the word and say, oh, nope, not going to have it. <laughs> but here's my question for those that believe it's habitual sin. What habitual sin did Jesus not die for at the cross? I believe he got them all. The Bible says you're sealed, your spirit sealed by the Holy Spirit, and sin cannot penetrate your spirit. You're bought with a price. The Bible says you're not your own. You're his possession. You belong to the Lord. How could God lose something he owns? Can a person do an unrighteous thing and lose his righteous position if he's a Christian? Can you, as a, a believer, do some unrighteous things? Of, of course you can. We know that because we talked about you can sin. But does that take away your position? Or can an a, a unbeliever do some righteous things and earn righteousness through doing those things? You can't. Let's say that you have t two Christians. Or let's say you have an unbeliever and a Christian. The unbeliever is walking down the, the downtown and he's walking and he sees uh, a lady that needs some help with her baggage, her, her uh, groceries or something. Help her across, the, she's a little old lady, help her across the road. And this unbeliever helps her across the road. He comes upon some, some kids playing ball and, and the, the ball comes over to him and he picks it up and he tosses it back. Says, kids, have fun. Have a great time, you know. And just going on. Then he sees a, a homeless man and he says, man, here. Here's $20. Just have a great day. But here's Joe Christian, and he's having a bad day. He, he's just lost a, a big account, and, and he sees this little lady that's got her baggage and you know, trying to cross the road and get all these groceries, and um, he just kind of bumps her and said, like he didn't have time. He's not thinking about her, just bumps her out of the way, and she falls and Falls into a mud puddle. And she's crying there in the road. And then Joe Christian is walking along and here comes the kid's ball and, and he picks it up and he throws it away from him. Throws it down the road. Shouldn't be playing ball. Joe Christian comes to the homeless man. He says... Would you get up and get a job? Now, did the unbeliever through his righteous acts, did he earn righteousness? It can't be achieved. It's a gift because it's perfection. It's the righteousness of God. Are righteous acts to achieve righteousness or filthy rags? What about Joe Christian? He had a bad day. Did he lose his righteousness, his righteous position with God? Say no, he didn't. 
Should Joe Christian repent? <laughs> but he had a bad day. And there was sin and there was things working in his life. The thing about Christian, he's been sealed and he cannot lose his salvation through unrighteous deeds. Now, you won't be rewarded for them. That's a different, different study we'll talk about later. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is nigh in us. What's he talking about here? We just said you cannot sin if you're born of God. And now he's saying if we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, truth's nigh in us. What he's talking about our walk, our, our mind, our soul. He's talking about it's not perfect. And God is perfect. So these two things exist at the same time on the inside of you. On the inside of all of us that belong to him. We've got to know it's his mercy and grace in our life each and every day. And you've got to understand your mind will not be fully renewed until you come face to face with Jesus. It's just not going to get completed until you get leave him. And then he's going to go ahead and complete the deal. And take care of it for you. This in your notes. God wants a relationship with us based on his own righteousness. That's the basis of our relationship with God is Jesus' righteousness. The righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became our righteousness for us. We had nothing to do with it. That's the reason our boast is in the Lord. Our boast is not in ourselves. It's always in the Lord because he did all. He made our unrighteous spirits the righteousness of God in Christ. And the righteousness of God is holy. It's righteous. It has no beginning. It's his righteousness. Through all the eons of time, it's been consistent, never changed. 100% righteous. What it, what it does to me, it means that I can stand before God without any fear, without any guilt, any inferiority, and any condemnation. As if sin never existed. And God sees me as white as snow. Pure. Pure as Jesus. Hallelujah. That's awesome stuff. See, there's some lists in the Bible. The truth is we're all on that list. And you go through the list and says, some of you were such of these. But now you belong to him, so don't act like you're still an unbeliever. But you're on a different list. Your name's written in a different book, the book of life. And it's been purchased and paid for in full by the blood of Jesus. And you're complete in him. And you don't get a new spirit when you get to heaven. You got the same one that you got for all eternity and forever. It will be the righteousness of God in Christ. But once you get there, you go ahead and get the mind renewed. You have a new will, new mind, new emotions. You have the perfect, complete mind of Christ 
there. You think a question, you get the answer. It's awesome. We're going to have some glorious preaching and teaching by Jesus himself there and some others. It's going to be a great place, a great time. And you get a glorified body that you can go and feast anytime you want at the heavenly buffet and get all the banana pudding. Oh, glory to God. I feel the presence of God. All the banana pudding that you want and still not gain a pound and still look buffed and shaped and just, hey, you want to show off? <laughs> because of him. Because of him. That's why eternity's not long enough to give him thanks. He's so big, eternity's not long enough to even know him. You'll never run out of knowing him. Heaven's not going to be a boring place because God's there. Not because we're there. He's there. <laughs> Hallelujah. First mm. John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is speaking of your soul. You get forgiveness for those transgressions that you commit from the soul, not from the spirit. I'm not trying to get saved again from the soul. Now, God has forgiven me of all my sins. This is for my benefit. This is for me. I need my emotions to release this. So I release it to him. Now repent. Give that, that forgiveness. I don't need forgiveness for my spirit, but I sure need it for my soul. Cleanse from the unrighteousness of my soul. See, if it's cleansing the unrighteousness in your spirit, the Bible says Jesus will not be crucified again. So it can't be that. There's some that say, well... These people are not saved. But I, I disagree with that. I believe it's written to believers. They say, well, they need to get saved. But here's the problem. When you get saved, you don't confess your sins in order to get saved. You confess his lordship in your life and that he took your sins. So see, there's a difference. Jesus told Peter... When Jesus wanted to wash his feet, said, oh, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You know where my feet have been. No, <laughs> not washing them. And Jesus said, I don't wash feet. You have no place part of me. And, of course, Peter then, he goes, well, Lord, you know, give me the whole works then. You know? <laughs> and Jesus said, those that have had a bath only need their foot washed. And that speaks to us today. We have been bathed. We've been saved. But as you're walking in this earth, you get your feet dirty. And 1 John 1, 9, you confess it and you get your feet cleaned. But you're still clean in your spirit. Make sense? So the performance is in your notes. Performance of your soul and body doesn't affect the purity and holiness of your spirit. So my performance is not tied to my acceptance by my Father. 1 John 1.10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Then 
uh, goes in the next chapter, 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He said, don't sin, but if you do sin, you have a high priest, confess your sin, receive peace in your soul. Receive peace in your soul. And then in verse 6, 1 John 1, 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship uh, with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if I'm walking in the light, I'm walking in fellowship, I'm walking in the light, that's what it says here, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship together, have fellowship with him, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Why do I need, if I'm walking in the light, why do I need cleansing of sin? I'm walking in fellowship with him. Because we're all walking in habitual sin, and there's sins you don't even know you're committing that you are. And the blood of Jesus automatically cleanses you from all sins you don't even know you're committing. Hallelujah. But if you're walking in darkness and you know you are, do 1 John 1 9 and confess it. Train your mind, repent, and turn from that. Okay, we're going to close here. But main thing I want you to see right now, even on your best day, <laughs> you still need the mercy of God. Even on your best day when you think you're walking perfectly and doing everything right, you still need the mercy and the grace of God in your life because you're still not perfect. And you're not going to be until you see. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word, that your word gives us the interpretations, gives us understanding that we can have that peace, that we can have that eternal security that you called us to be. Thank you, Lord, that we can overcome those things in our life, those sins in our life, through the power of the Spirit. But, Lord, you're working, and it's a process in our life. And we have peace during the process. We don't beat ourselves up. But we lift our eyes up, and we behold the Lamb of God. We behold Christ in all his glory, who took my place and your place on our behalf. And today, if you never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Choose him. He'll not force you. You have to make that choice. But once you choose, he welcomes you in. He welcomes you in to the family of God. He longs to be your father. He longs to provide for you and take care of you. He longs to speak to you, give your life purpose. So he has a plan for your life that's you with no one looking around please lift your hand and say that's me today I make a decision for Christ 
Maybe you've prayed this before and you're out of fellowship and you need to get right with God. Lift your hand also. Say, that's me. I need to get back to the place. I'm walking in darkness. I need to walk back in the light. I need to walk back in the truth. Let's all say this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus who died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross with my sins and taking the punishment, the consequences of the sins of the world. So grateful. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I'll follow you. I'll live for you all my days. Teach me your ways, Lord. I'll get into your word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life for you. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.